Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Well, praise God, we've been going through... Uh, just going through bit by bit as we go through the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. And what we're doing, obviously, is we want people to be familiar with what, what, what God teaches us from the Old Testament. We want to draw, draw New Testament truths out of the Old Testament. And, and kind of, uh, if you don't get anything else, just learning how to go back, and no matter whether it's the Old Testament, New Testament, whatever, but to be able to, to apply it to your personal life and say, man, what does this mean to me right now? I don't really want to learn history. I want to learn truth. That's what I need. History doesn't make me free. Truth makes me free. Praise God. I like history. Don't get me wrong. But history don't make me free. I need to know truth. You know? And so learning to go into the Old Testament or the New Testament, doesn't matter, but begin to draw the truth of the redemptive plan and draw the truth of it concerning my own personal life right now. Man, if you can't get anything, just get that. And so uh, last week, Pastor Tim did a good job going back, talking about uh, uh, Joshua going over the, the, the River Jordan. And uh, that's a tremendous account going back there in, in, in Joshua chapter 3. So what we're going to do now, though, is we're going to head into um, the next phase in Joshua chapter 3, uh, excuse me, chapter 6, and that is uh, the walls of Jericho. But, now, like I said, what I want to do, though, is we're going to be going back to the New Testament and whatnot, looking at different, tying it together. So um, we know what Jericho was, right? Walled city. And... Um, and so, once again, we have to understand that there's New Testament truths, and God uses uh, the, these, these Old Testament examples for us to actually find out how to do things in, in a, in, as a New Covenant believer. And so, when we're talking about Jericho, we're talking about a fortified city, talking about a stronghold is what we're talking about, right? Where do we, where do we hear about strongholds in the New Testament? You guys remember? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, pulling down strongholds, right? So, that's what we're going to tie it into, obviously. Praise God. So we can, let's go over there. So I can, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start there, and then we're going to jump back. So here, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, very familiar text, um, and such an important text. Every, every bit of the Bible is so important to us, but this is such a huge thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul begins to, to actually give such a, uh, to me, such a tremendous truth here concerning where we are as Christians. Now, in 2 Corinthians... He's writing to the church, right? The church of Corinth. So the people who are reading 2 Corinthians, when he writes this letter to them, these people are born again, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? Okay? And so these are, he's not talking to sinners here. He's talking to people who are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he begins talking to them about this. And he says in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, praise God, Ours are different, apparently, then. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what? Mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds. So he gives us weaponry that are, that's mighty in God for one reason, and that's to pull down strongholds. Praise God. Good. Man, this is awesome. And then he starts talking to, once again, I want you to see this, born-again, spirit-filled believers about these strongholds. So can a born-again, spirit-filled believer have strongholds in their life? Definitely can, Right? And so and then he starts talking to us about where they are. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now we know in uh, 
uh, in verse 5 in the Amplified, it says refuting arguments, theories, reasonings. We know in the, in the Old King James it talks about vain imaginations. Uh, in other words, those all deal with our mind, right? These are thought processes, right? These are the way we think, the way we filter things. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he, right? So here, as a born-again, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving person, I can have things that are strongholds in my life, and that's where they reside, right? They reside in my mind. They reside in my thought realm. They reside in how I filter things. So we understand, everybody right now on the planet has a filter, Right? So however I filter it, no matter what's being told to me, no no matter what's being taught to me, no matter what anybody's saying or whatever I'm seeing, experiencing, it's going through the filter of my mind. And that filter was created in my mind as I was raised, right? So before I got born again, I had a filter of somebody who was raised, you know, roughly in, in Portland and in Seaside, you know, Oregon, West Coast, United States, you know, uh, uh, in, in obviously the 1970s, 80s, 90s, you know, this is when I was raised, where I was raised, how I, all of that factored into how I saw things, right? So I could see something happening, and I would actually filter it differently than somebody who was raised in China in the 1600s. Does that make sense? Same exact experience but yet we could take away two totally different things simply because of the filter that I was given through my upbringing. And so that's a thought process, though. Now what happens, though, is those thought processes, as a Christian, they become strongholds. Okay, That's what they become. They become filters. Now, and we're talking about Jericho, and, and like the strongholds in the Old Testament, those, what did strongholds do? Well, strongholds, of course, kept out the enemy. Right? They kept out somebody who was wanting to invade. And they held the valuable goods of the land. That's what they did. That's what a stronghold did. And we need to realize that, that uh, as Christians, the strongholds in our minds are trying to keep us out and trying to keep us from the inheritance that's rightfully ours. But it goes back to how we think. And so, so we need to learn, like, as, as we get into this, I want to go back into Joshua, and here it tells us that we have, praise God, it says, we, we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God in pulling down strongholds. And then he starts talking about casting down these arguments and, and high things. And what are these high things trying to do in verse 5? What does it say they do, try to do? They exalt themselves, right? Against what? The knowledge of God. So in other words, you can have the knowledge of God, but there's something in your life trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Now these are Christians, right? These are born-again, spirit-filled Christians. So they have the knowledge of God, don't they? Just like we have the knowledge of God. Because we're, we read the Bible, right? And so we spend time with God. And so we have the knowledge of God. But then there are still things actually competing with the knowledge of God. Because when I read the Word of God and I see the promises of God, I get excited. I'm like, glory to God. I see what is mine. I see my rightful inheritance. I see what Jesus bought and paid for. Glory to God. And I get excited and I realize that I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I have the nature of God on the inside of me. And I'm a head and not the tail, above only not beneath. Glory to God. That's the knowledge of God. But guess what competes with that? Strongholds. My thought processes. And it's trying to exalt itself against or above the knowledge of God. You see that? It's trying to exalt itself and make it the focus rather than the knowledge of God being the focus in my life. And so I've got to pull that thing down. I've got to actually take that stronghold. I've got to take that thought process. I've got to take that, that theory. I've got to take that opinion. I've got to take that attitude. I've got to take all those things and bring them down and say, no, the knowledge of God has rule and reign over my heart and mind. Praise God. 
And so we can go back into Joshua and we can find out how to do that. Glory to God. So let's go back. Joshua, chapter 2. We excited? Man, I love tearing down strongholds. It's fun. It's a good hobby. Tearing down strongholds. What are you doing today, tearing down stronghold? Glory to God. <laughs> you can go play golf. I'll tear down strongholds. Hallelujah. And uh, so anyway, Joshua, nothing wrong with playing golf, but you know what? <laughs> golf don't make me free. This is what makes me free, tearing down strongholds. Joshua chapter 2. Um, and so uh, Pastor Tim actually made mention of this uh, last week, of course, because this is before they crossed over. And uh, Joshua sent two spies into the land. And, uh, and you know, Rahab uh, went ahead and took him in and hid them. But now notice this. It says, um, uh, let's see here, um, verse 4, Joshua chapter 2, verse 4. says, Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it, and it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where, where, uh, where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So what'd she do? She hid them on a roof. You know, and I don't know if you've ever seen a flax roof before. These things are thick and deep, man. These things, they, they still make them in England today, and these are what they call 100-year roofs. I've seen how they make these things, and it's bizarre. They just basically take, they're just reeds, and they, 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 they chop them into certain lengths, and these things can be up to 8 feet thick, thick in just reeds. But they're 100-year 100 100, 100 roofs, is what they call them. And, uh, but guess what? You don't want to catch them on fire. They're gone. <laughs> okay? but, uh, but, so what she did is she just tucked them in these reeds. And there's no way that, if, if you, you could very easily hide people in these things. I mean, not even, not even, it's not even a joke. You could do, do it very easily. Um, but it says here, so, um, verse 7, Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the, to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they laid down, she came up to, the, to them on the roof and said to them, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. I like how, you, of course, the, uh, the, the, the King James says that, that our, our, our men, they, their courage melts because of you. In verse 10, it says, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now, verse 11, as soon as we heard these things, what does it say? Our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on, on, on earth beneath. Praise God. Man, I love this. She starts just talking about, she starts talking about their perspective of them. Right? And this is step number one. In order to deal with strongholds, you better change your perspective of yourself. Now, understand, here they are, they're coming in, they're spying out with seeing what's going on, and she starts talking about that. And she starts going, we know who you are. We heard about this. And basically she's saying, where have you been? We've been waiting for you. But, but she's going, listen, we know who you are. We know God gave you this land. We know that God is with you. And, and every time you're mentioned, that, 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 it says our courage faints. We have no more courage in us anymore. We have melted because of you. In other words, you understand that the stronghold, I want, I want you to get this, the stronghold, one of the main jobs of a stronghold is to intimidate an invader. You understand that? So if, if there's a stronghold you know, at, at, at the border of a country, just like this was, and Jericho was on the border of the country, 
And there's a stronghold there. Its job is to intimidate anybody who might possibly come to take over. It's supposed to be a very, you know, a forbidding thing, right? It's supposed to intimidate. It's supposed to say, you do not have the capacity to take this ground. That's what the stronghold's saying. And so you understand when the Israelites came up to this thing, it was probably kind of daunting, wasn't it? This is a big old, I mean, you've all probably heard the stories about Jericho. There's different, different measurements, different things they have. It was a double-walled city. You know, one wall was like thick, six feet thick. Another wall was like 20 feet thick. I mean, just huge, huge, ominous, threatening thing. And its job was to intimidate. And its job is to say, you know what? I've been here a long time. And I ain't going nowhere. Understand what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about thought processes. Okay? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about views, ways we, th- we see things. I'm talking about habits in our life. I'm talking about insecurity and fear. I'm talking about just all kinds of, of, of different things in our life that try to intimidate us and say, who do you think you are? I've been here your whole life. What are you going to do? How dare you think this is going to change overnight? What do you think? I'm going somewhere. I've been here all this time. And it tries to intimidate you from even saying, oh yeah, you're right, you know what? I'm just going to try to avoid the situation. You can't avoid the situation. Until you take the, strong, the stronghold, you can't have the land. We need to get that, right? You can't go around it. It's got to come down. Until we take the strongholds of our mind, we can't have the inheritance. We can't. And, and so, so many times when we try to skirt the issue because it's so intimidating. But understand this. They come into the land and they're ex- They come in and Rahab starts talking to him going, do you know who you are? We know who you are. We know God's given you the land. We know that God's with you. We know that that God's so so powerful that we have melted because of you. And I want to say that the the first step you're going to have to do is you're going to have to change your perspective of who you are. And stop allowing the, 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 the stronghold to intimidate you. We can't be intimidated anymore. We need to realize who we are. Right? Understand, I mean, the devil knows who you are, right? Why do you think he tries to get the word of God out of you? He knows that greater is he that's in you than he is in the world, right? He knows that he's defeated. He knows that you're above only and not beneath. He knows you're the head and not the tail. The question is, do you know it? That's the only question. God knows it, the devil knows it, but do you know it? You know, and here, you know, if, understand that if, if you were to talk to if you were to talk to the devil or a demon or anything else and ask them who you are, they would say, you are the child of the living God. What did, what did the demon say to Jesus? Remember? Remember their response? You know, they're like, don't torment us any longer. What are you doing here? They're like crying out for mercy. Well, guess who we are? We're the sons of God, right? We're the children of God. Carry the same anointing. Glory to God. But what we do is we, sometimes we, we, we get so intimidated by something, by a, by a stronghold, we get so intimidated by, by something that hasn't changed, and we need to realize who we are. Turn over to, uh, of course, hold your finger in Joshua, but turn over to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, uh, they've, they've you know, questioned Jesus and saying that he, he's full of the devil and all this other stuff. And... Um, I love this because he says, uh, verse 20, Luke 11, verse 20, says, but if I, Jesus is speaking, but if I cast out demons with what? The finger of God. I love that. It doesn't even take the arm of God. You understand? It's just the finger of God. Doink. You know, it's just like, 
I just see him flicking demons, bam, no big deal. But he goes, if, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are in peace. Verse 22, but what? When a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and who does not gather with me scatters. Uh, now, what's he talking about? He's going, listen, the devil was taking ground for a while because he, was a, he, you know, he, had, a, he had a measure of strength, but he goes, when a stronger than he has come. Praise God. Who are we? We're the stronger than he. Amen? We need to realize who we are. We can't allow anything to intimidate us. We need to realize that the enemy knows. The enemy knows that, that he's defeated. The enemy knows that greater is he that's on the inside of us. Praise God. You know, and we need to understand that, the, that we as the body of Christ should be on the offense. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, do you understand what he was saying? Gates are a defensive position, right? Gates are not an offensive position. Gates never jump out and attack you, right? They're, they're meant to keep you out. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, which means that the church should always be on the offense. We are never on the defense. We are not reactionary. We are not on, on the defensive mode. We are on the offense all the time. We need to realize who we are. And we need to stop thinking, oh, this big intimidating thing. I don't know if it can ever change. No, no, no. My Bible says that, that, that I, I don't fight with carnal weapons, but, I, with, but with those that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen? They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How mighty is God? Infinitely mighty. Man, I tell you, everything is easy for him. But they're mighty in him. We need to understand that, that these things get really easy when we do things in him. Now, uh, you know, it's like this. It's like, um, uh, you know, if I, if I said, you know, and I've used this illustration before, but if I, if I said, well, you know, our inheritance is on the other side of that wall, and all we have to do is bust through that wall. If we can bust through that wall right there, we can get all of our inheritance. And, you know, we can use whatever we want, you know, in this room to try to bust through that wall. But we better bust through it because that's where our inheritance is. Well, you'd have different people who would think of different things, you know, some, depending on your personality type. I don't know. Uh, some people would just run right at that wall, you know, and just smash right into it as hard as they possibly could over and over again. Would that really pay off for you? Probably not too much. You know, some people would probably uh, measure out where the studs might be. You know, they would, they would like, try to, try to figure out, well, there's probably a stud here, probably a stud here, and you try to measure it out, you know, trying to figure out where in between the studs are, just so that maybe you can start kicking or punching the wall, trying to get through. You know, that makes a little bit more sense to me, right? Some people would maybe take a chair, you know, and just start smashing stuff with monitors and music stands and guitars and everything that they could, trying to get through the wall. I mean, could you imagine this? You know, <laughs> but you want to know what the obvious answer is here. You go through the door. There's a door right there. It goes right through the wall. And it was made so you could go through the wall, right? But you understand, most people don't even think about that. If you say go through the wall, they think you've got to, you know, there's a door right there. Just go through the door. It's designed so you can go through the wall easily, right? You understand? We, we need to realize that God's made this easy. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. But I've got to do it in him. Yeah. Understand that the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, in him, through the pulling down of strongholds. He's the door. Glory to God. And, and I need to stop taking things and trying to figure out how to bust through a wall that already has a hole shaped like Jesus in it. I just need to go through the door. Praise God. Now, um, let's go back over to Joshua. 
So first thing, change your perspective. Understand that that stronghold is continually trying to get you to disqualify yourself. Continually trying to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not mature enough, you don't know enough of the Bible, you're whatever, blah, 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 trying to disqualify you from actually coming against it. None of that's true. Glory to God. We're mighty in Him. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Glory to God. Uh, Joshua chapter 6. Like I said, Pastor Tim, he covered... Uh, all the way leading up to this last week, so we're just going to jump into chapter 6. And so, here we go. Hmm. Um, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel went, uh, because of them, none went out, none came in. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear up seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the the city seven times, and the the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns uh, before the Ark of the Lord. Verse 7. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let, let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the, of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the, of the Lord circle the city, going uh, around at once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the, the, the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in their house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Verse 18. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel accursed, and trouble it. But all the silver, gold, and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came... And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Praise God. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the, to, to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from, her, uh, from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. So they went ahead and they did all that. And then verse 24, But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and the bronze and the vessels of bronze and iron, they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. So, here we are. Praise God. It's a glorious victory, isn't it? 
They march around it once a day, six days, and then on the seventh day they march around it seven times, and then they, 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 they're blasting the trumpet the whole time. They have the big shout, and the walls come down. Glory to God. And you know, if you've ever, if you've ever looked at any of this archaeologically, you know that when they found... I understand, for, for centuries, they thought that this, that, uh, uh, historians thought this was just a myth. Uh, they said that this didn't exist because they couldn't, they'd never found any, you know, any evidence of it. Well, then, guess what? They found it. And so now they realized, guess what? It's, the Bible's true, you know? And they keep doing this, proving the Bible to be true archaeologically. But, um, but when they found it, they did say very specifically that in all the other, uh, um, you know, battles around different cities, that usually the walls would either be crushed in by the people or pulled down by the people. But this actually got pushed down flat. Uh, it was such a unique thing that they found. It was like, yeah, these walls actually look like somebody actually just pushed them right down into the earth. Just, you know. And, uh, and they said, yeah, it's amazing. You know, and they actually said what was so amazing about it was the, the debris of it was so minimal that you could easily just walk right over right in the city. And, uh, and that's something, they're stunned by it, because they've never found a city like it, you know, since. Uh, well, praise God, God's a big God, isn't he? And, um, but so, here, let's look at a couple things here that they did. Said step one was make sure that your perspective is right. Step two, we need to do it the Lord's way, okay? Now, he told them very specifically how to pull down this stronghold. And he said that they're going to have to march around this thing once a day, and they're going to have the, the trumpeter trum, uh, you know, blowing trumpets, and they're going to have the ark of the Lord going around. Now, the ark of the Lord always represented, of course, the word of God and the presence of God. And we need to realize we have to put that first. We have to put the word first in our life, and we've got to put the presence of God as, as a mandate in our life every day. We've got to be in the word, and we've got to be in prayer all the time. And we need, to, we need to fuel things in our life that's going to allow us to walk in truth rather than the lies that the stronghold currently is speaking. And, and the interesting thing is, that it, how many days did they march around it? Seven, right? And so for, but for the first six, what did they do? Just one time, right? Nothing happened the first six days. But on the seventh day, they, they march around it seven times. Now, uh, of course, we know that the number seven uh, represents God's complete number, right? What does the number six represent? Man, right? In Revelation, it says the number six is the number of man. And so when you understand that they did, they did the same thing basically six times on, the, on those six days, uh, the, other than the fact they didn't march around it seven times, but nothing happened. And yet on the seventh day, on the seventh day, which is God's number, God's complete number, something drastically different happened. And we need to realize that no matter how, we can do things, we can do things a certain way, but if we're not doing it in the, in the power of God, it's going to be futile. We can look like doing it God's way, but not doing it God's way at the same time. I don't know if you understand that or not. <laughs> but we need to make sure we're doing it God's way. We need to make sure that we're putting the Word of God first. We need to make sure that we actually allow the Word of God to be a part of us so that... Now, get this. Um, let's turn over to Mark chapter 11. Hold your finger there. Get over to Mark chapter 11. Now, we'll notice... Um, Actually, before you get to Mark 11, uh, go ahead and turn over there. That's fine, Mark 11. But um, I want to read a verse back in Joshua. How that it says, Joshua, in verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. Now, this is an interesting thing, because he tells me, I want you to get a picture of this. For six days... You know, once a day, they're marching around the city, and he says, you don't even open your mouth. 
Don't say anything. Don't sing. Don't shout. Don't do anything until I tell you to shout. Don't do anything until I give the word. Now, I understand, that wasn't a thus saith the Lord, was it? it was, God didn't command them that. That was Joshua saying that, right? God commanded them to march around it once a day for six days. On the seventh day, do all that. But, but that wasn't in God's commandments at the beginning. But here Joshua says, I don't want you to say a stinking thing. Now, what happened 40 years earlier that Joshua probably remembers? The evil report. Bunch of grumbling, complaining nonsense, right? Somebody opened their big doubtful mouth and they kept out of the promised land. He goes, that's not happening this time. Okay? You keep your mouth shut. Okay? Because you understand, every day they're walking around, those walls are still there, right? They look pretty intimidating. Those walls are there. You know? And they're walk, walking around that. And, and you, you understand the thoughts that would be going through your mind right about then. But you can't allow those thoughts to dictate your mouth. You can't allow the intimidation of the enemy to dictate your mouth. You can't allow the thought processes of the strongholds to, to actually tell, to, to dictate your mouth. You've got to tie your mouth to the Word of God. You've got to tie your mouth to what the Word says and not what the circumstance says. You've got to tie your mouth to what, what the blood says instead of what you're feeling at the present time. Right? I mean, I'm talking about tearing down strongholds here. You know? And he's going, listen, when you shout, it's going to do something. But you can't open your mouth until you're ready for it to do something. Now, once again, over here in Mark chapter 11, we know these verses. Um, verse 23, this is right after Jesus curses the fig tree, it withers away. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whosoever does what? Says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. But what does he have to do? Yeah, what does he have to believe? That the things that he says will be done, will come to pass. He can have whatever he says. He doesn't just say, whoever says to the mountain... He says, whoever says to the mountain and believes that those things which he says will come to pass, right? So you better believe what you say is going to happen. You can't just be saying any old thing. You can't just be saying, come and be removed. That's not what's going to cut it. See, what you say is not as important as to how you say it. I want you to see this. What you say is not as important as how you say it. You better say it in faith. You better say it believing that what you say will come to pass. You know? And just like you know, Pastor Brian talked about, there's a lot of people who, who have, over the last several decades, they've gotten a hold of faith teaching, but not actually walked out the principles of faith. And so they, they're not basing it on a relationship with God. They're just turning it into a formula. And so they go, oh, I'm just going to say it, and blah, blah, and whatever I say. No, not whatever you say comes to pass. The Bible doesn't say that. It says whatever you actually believe what you say will come to pass. That's what it says. You know, and so, you understand, we have to actually get our... Now, if I'm marching around a stronghold, I don't just start blabbing every old thing that I want done. I, I, get, I better get my heart in a position where I believe what I say will come to pass. I have, in other words, for, you know, now on the... Now, here, the, you know, once again, six days, they marched around it. On the seventh day, what, what do we know about the seventh day? What is the seventh day known for? Day of rest, right? That tells me something. That tells me that I better be speaking in a position of rest. You see that? I better be doing it in a position of rest, not in fear, not in crisis, not in need, not in urgency, not in this big thing that's, I mean, this big, you know, worry place. I can't speak out of worry. I can't speak out of fear. I've got to speak out of rest. Do you see how, what the Lord's starting to tell us here? There's a position of rest that I have to speak from. Turn over to Isaiah 41. Praise God. 
So the first thing that we have to do, once again, is, is reposition our perspective uh, about who we are concerning the, the stronghold and about you know, how easily the stronghold can come down. But the second thing is we have to begin to uh, train our mouth how to speak, train our mouth actually how to tear down these strongholds. In, in Isaiah 41 here, and um, now we know in uh, actually the last verse in um, last couple of verses in ver- in chapter forty, um, verse twenty nine. Let's start in chapter forty, verse twenty nine. And it says here that he gives power to the weak, right? And to those who have no might, what does he do? Increases strength. It says even the youth shall faint and be weary, and those and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, praise God, those who wait on the Lord, what's going to happen? They renew their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. They run and they do not be weary. They walk and they will not faint. Oh, glory to God, that's good. But then notice what it says, very next verse, chapter 41, verse 1. He's still talking about the exact same, same context here. It says, Keep silence before me, O coastlands, and let the people renew their strength. Mm, that's good. And then it says, let them come near, then what does it say? Then let them speak. Let us come near together for judgment. So he tells me that I can't speak until I've done something here. I shouldn't be speaking until I've waited upon the Lord, I've renewed my strength, and I've actually come near to God. That's when I speak. But notice what he says. Turn, uh, uh, go over a few verses here. Verse 10. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 11. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be, what? As nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. I love verse 12. You shall seek them, and what? Not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing. And then what does it say? As a non-existent thing. Man, that's awesome. That's huge. Glory to God. Then he says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. And then if you go down to verse 15, he says, Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. If you look at in the in the literal translation, it actually says, I will make you into I will make your mouth into a harvesting tool. That's what it means. I will make your mouth into a harvesting tool. And then the very next next phrase it says, You shall what? Thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them and the wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord and the glory in the, in, in the Holy One of Israel. Praise God. Man, but you see what he's talking about. He's going, listen, don't speak until you've waited upon the Lord. But when you do that, then you actually begin to speak, and now suddenly your mouth becomes a threshing instrument, and now, now you can do what Jesus said. You can speak to the mountain, and now suddenly it becomes like chaff. Glory to God. You see, what Jesus was speaking about was this verse right here. When he was talking about Mark 11, he was talking about this. He's going, yeah, you can speak. You can speak, and you can actually speak to this mountain. It'll totally be removed. It'll be cast in the sea. It'll actually be as a non-existent thing. You'll look for it and won't even be able to find it anymore. Man, I've done that with things in my life where things that were so daunting and so intimidating to me, and I'll be sitting there going, Lord, what's going to happen? I don't even know what to do. I have no idea what to do here. And he just begins to 
Woo me into his presence. So I come into the presence of the Lord, and I just begin to renew my strength, being intertwined with him, and allowing him to become the, the one flesh relationship that I have with my Messiah. And now suddenly, his, his reality becomes my reality, and now suddenly, I'm no longer looking at the mountain like this. Now I'm seeing with him in heavenly places, and now I'm looking at the mountain like this. Praise God. And now me and him can judge this thing together. And now when I speak, now it's not even an issue of if it's going to happen. I know who I am, and I know who he is in me, and I can speak, and it's done. Praise God. And, man, I've seen it. I mean, my life was in crisis, and then the next thing I know, two weeks later, I'm looking back going, I don't even know where that went. It's a non-existent thing. Praise God. But it doesn't just come from speaking. It comes from waiting upon the Lord and then speaking. You see, there's, there's, there's something we do here. You know, as we're marching around the, the, the stronghold, I'm just waiting upon the Lord. I'm blowing the trumpet. I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm praising. I'm meditating the word unto myself so that I can build myself up on my most holy faith. I'm just praying out in tongues, just speaking to myself all these mysteries. I'm doing things, so I'm building my heart up. And the word says that the wise man, the wise man's heart teaches his mouth what to say. Praise God. <laughs> and so you begin to, to allow the abundance to come out. And it says that out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth should speak. Right? Not out of the fear, not out of the crisis, out of the abundance of the heart. And we, out, what comes out of your heart? Rivers of living water. Glory to God. Like what we were talking about on Friday, Pastor Brian was talking about. Wherever the river goes, what happens? Brings life. Praise God. But that just doesn't, that doesn't happen because I just start blobbing off at the mouth. No, I, I enter into a place of rest. That seventh day rest. Where now suddenly I'm just positioned in God. And I begin to speak from a position of authority. Seated with him in heavenly places. Man, it's awesome. But this is how you tear strongholds down, amen? Now, um, let's go over to, uh, let's go back, Joshua chapter uh, 7. Now, what we have to do, though, is as you're speaking, we need to, be, we need to start speaking life into these things. You can't just, um, what we have to do, as, when we're talking about our, those strongholds, those strongholds, think about a stronghold. They were, they were not built overnight. Strongholds take time, right? Strongholds are one, one brick or block at a time, right? And so there are one block, mortared, another block, mortared, another block, mortared. That's how a stronghold gets built. Doesn't happen overnight. And the strongholds in your mind, they didn't happen overnight. They happened through one hurt, one frustration, one disappointment at a time, right? Build strongholds. Experiences come in. And they begin to form your filters. They begin to form how you think. They begin to form your theories. They begin to form your doctrines. And, and so now suddenly you have these strongholds that are built one brick at a time. And we need to realize that, that what do I need to do, though? I can't just speak against the stronghold. I have to displace the stronghold. In other words, what I mean by that is when, when, when God saw, you know, in Genesis chapter 1, when he begins to speak, he didn't say, let there be no darkness. What did he say? Let there be light. You see, what is he doing? Displacing the darkness. Right? I can't just sit there and and speak against the stronghold. I have to actually speak light into it. I have to actually speak truth into it. I have to displace it. Okay? And we need to realize that that whatever the stronghold is, it's a lie, it's a counterfeit, it's something trying to tell me what reality is when it's not true at all. But what I have to do is I have to get in the Word and find out what truth is. I need to take the truth, put it in my heart, and let it come out of my mouth and displace that lie. You see, I can't waste all my time sitting here battling with something. I have to just displace it. Glory to God. Light will cast out darkness every time. There's no challenge to light with darkness. And so, man, it's so easy. That's why, that's why these things are mighty through God. It's simple for light to cast out darkness. It's so easy. 
But what I have to begin to do is begin to displace the darkness. And this is why I get really specific with, with people when they start talking to me about things. Because what I want to do is I want to build good strongholds up. Right? I want to build a stronghold of health. I want to build a stronghold of peace. I want to build a stronghold of joy. Right? That's what we need to build in our lives. Amen? Glory to God. If we can have negative ones, then how much more can we have positive ones? Glory to God. Most people who are saved have a stronghold of salvation. In other words, can the devil talk you out of it? No. Some people obviously are still on that, on that fence where they don't know. But understand, most people, they, they, they know they're saved, right? And so what if the devil right now came up to you and, and told you that you weren't saved? What would you do? You'd laugh, right? Wouldn't even be worthy of your time. You wouldn't need to argument. You wouldn't need, you wouldn't need to wrestle with it. You wouldn't need to waste your time with all that. That's just nonsense. Are you kidding me? Is that all you got? <laughs> you know, that would be kind of the attitude. Why can't it be that way about health? Why can't it be that way about peace? Why can't it be that way about prosperity? You know, you know what I'm talking about here. It's all by the same blood. It's all by the same Jesus, right? It's all by the same redemptive plan. Then why don't we just build up the strongholds? But I don't need to come against poverty. I need to build a stronghold of prosperity is what I need to do. I need to displace it. But I need to be in the Word to do that. Now, so anyway, Joshua chapter 7 here. Now let's, we need to go on to our third point. Are we getting something tonight? Praise God. Okay, so like I said, step number one, you've got to allow God to, to tell you who you are and, and begin to shift and not be intimidated by any of the strongholds. These things come down easily under the power of God. Number two, you've got to be able to put the word and the presence of God in your life so that your heart can be filled up with his truth and begin to allow that rivers of living water to come out. Praise God. And don't just speak, but speak knowing what's going to happen, having renewed yourself in his strength. Anyway, um, and then now over here in Joshua chapter 7. Okay, so after they've done this whole thing, now it says here, verse 7, is verse 1 of chapter 7, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Now, what did he talk about, about the cursed things? Remember, it says over here in, um, in verse 18 of chapter 6, it says, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become, what? Accursed, when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But So over here in uh, verse 1, it says, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. Well, that ain't good, is it? So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of the Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua, said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry all the people there. Don't, do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are a few people. So Ai is not very big. Let's just deal with it. So it says, verse 4, So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Sherebim, and struck them down at the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Verse 6. So Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Or that we, that we, oh, that we would have been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan? O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns us back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? <laughs> Joshua's hacked off. You understand this. Because he knows he has a covenant with God. 
And he knows that there is no defeat that ever should come when you have a covenant with God. And we need to have this attitude. You understand this? This is the attitude we need to have. You know, he had 36 men lost in that battle. And today that would be called acceptable numbers. Acceptable losses. There is no such thing as acceptable loss when you have a covenant with God, right? And he's going, no, we shouldn't lose one man. Not one should go. If I have a covenant with God Almighty, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who created everything, if that's who my covenant is with, there is no defeat or, or loss that should ever be acceptable in my eyes. Right? And so he's just going, no, not good enough. And he's just hacked and he's hot. And he's like, okay, God, what are you doing? And so, uh, in verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. <laughs> I like that. Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Verse 11, Israel has what? Sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. <laughs> put it on their stuff. Now, um, now this is interesting here. Um, so it says there, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. So he goes on, and he talks about sanctifying things. They end up getting Achan and, and, and finding out what happened there. And, um, and it says, uh, verse 20, it says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with silver under it. Now, did he know he wasn't supposed to take this stuff? Oh, yeah. If he didn't know that, he wouldn't have hit it, right? He knew, so he hit it. And it says, So Joshua sent messengers, they ran to the tent, there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it, and they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua, to all the children of Israel, and they laid out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Verse 25. Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned him with stones. Well, so apparently stoning him was not good enough. This is pretty rough, isn't it? It was him, his household, his donkeys, his oxen, his sheep, his tent, everything he took, all the stuff. They just got them all together, and they stoned them with stones until they were dead, and then they burned them with fire. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and this says, Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, st- still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now, this is interesting here. And the last point I want to make is this, is that when we're dealing with, um, when we're dealing with strongholds, turn back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here they had, they had, they had defeated Jericho. God had given them the great victory. They had torn down the stronghold, and yet there was a temptation, right? There was a temptation to keep something back. Now, I'm talking about thought processes, right? I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about opinions. You understand what I'm talking about here? Strongholds come down, but we still find value in little things sometimes that we need to deal with, and we don't deal with it. And so we actually take those little tiny justifiable attitudes in our mind. You know what I'm talking about. Things we justify. 
things we think are okay, things we can sit there and say, yeah, yeah, I dealt with the big thing, but then there's this little, but uh, yeah, that's okay. And we kind of tuck it back in the corners of our mind. I don't know if, you understand what I'm talking about here. I'm just dealing with thoughts. I'm dealing with attitudes. I'm dealing with, with little tiny little things that we have tucked away. The big thing we've torn down, but the little things are still there. And, and what does the word say? The small foxes spoil the vine. It's the little things. Because they tied themselves, and God told them, if you partake of the accursed thing, you become a curse. And so you understand that they tied themselves to the weakness of the defeated Jericho, and therefore they couldn't even come against their enemies anymore. If I actually have those small things just tucked away in my mind, even the smallest thing will seem like a huge thing to me because I'm not walking in the strength of God. I'm still holding on to something that I, I, I need to just let it go. It says over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse, verse 5, it says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing what? Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Is it some thoughts? Just big thoughts? Big, hairy, nasty thoughts? No, every thought. Every thought I have to bring into captivity. Every one of them. You know, I, I, uh, I lived in an apartment one time that was, had roaches all over the place. Roaches are nasty. I'm talking about when I lived in Tulsa. And I moved to another place, right? And, uh, and I decided, of course, I didn't want to take the roaches with me. Guess what roaches do, though? They hang out all over the place, right, where you cannot see, right? And so I, I was moving to another house. I, I, I brought the boxes from my place, and I put them in the garage. And I said, I'm not going to bring them into the house until I've gone through every single thing. And so I would go through, and I had roach spray in one hand, and I would be taking things out of the box. I'd be spraying it all down. Shh. I didn't see any roaches on anything, you know, understand that. But I was just hosing it down, Shh. moving it into the house. You know, I did it with everything. You know, I even dismantled everything that I thought I could dismantle. I mean, I took it apart, sprayed it all down, put it back together, put it in the house. That's how I did it, you know. And so here I am in my room, and uh, about, you know, it would be in the middle of the night, 3 or 4 in the morning or whatever, I'd wake up and I'd see a roach on the floor. How in the stinking world? I went through everything I owned, everything. And so this happened a few nights in a row. I'm like, what in the world? I've, I've looked everywhere. I have no idea. Well, I had a little, uh, I had a, um, a little nightstand, and it had a, a single drawer. And, uh, and so every time I'd wake up and see a roach, it was somewhere around that nightstand. And I'm like, man, I, I don't even know. It's a nightstand, you know? What, what in the world? So one night I get up, pull the drawer out, you know, and I'm looking, and there is no roaches in there. I can't see anything. I'm like, well, I'm just going to hose this thing down again. I've done it before, but I'm going to do it again. So I got the can, and I just went along the, the runners of where the drawer is. Run along the runners, roaches just poured out of there. <laughs> There was, I don't, how in the world? I have no idea, you know? But I just hose those things down, and then I'm tap dancing. You know what I'm talking about? You know? you know, and I'm just killing them all, you know? But I just, man, I hose that thing down, and I'm, you know, and I'm just doing it, you know? And by the end of that night, man, they were all dead, praise God. Never saw one again, glory to God. But I thought I had it. I went through everything. But man, they can hide. You understand how thoughts are? The filters, the attitudes. We, that's why it says take captive every thought. Because it means it doesn't want to be captivated, right? <laughs> it doesn't want to be. I've got to hunt it down, and I've got to grab that thing. And, and, and every, the whole time it's justifying itself. You know what I'm talking about? But, but, but they did me wrong. But this never should have happened. But, but uh, 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 you don't have the right to be here. Man, praise God. 
I've got to learn to forgive. I've got to walk in love. I've got to deal with these things. I've got to let the Word of God flush these things out. And man, I tell you, sometimes you've got to, in the middle of the night, you've got to take that can out and start spraying your mind down and start tap dancing. You know what I'm talking about. Right in the middle of somebody having an attitude toward you, guess what you better start doing? Spraying things down, start tap dancing, man. Because yeah, those are all part of the stronghold. And the moment that I keep those things and I value them, Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, those things I used to count as gain, I now count as loss. Wow, that's a huge statement to me. The things I used to justify and I used to think were, were such a big part of me, now I count them as loss. And now notice what he did with, a- with, with, with Achan. He actually separated him and he said, okay, let's bring all that he has out and they stoned them all and they burned them. That tells me something, that one thing I have to do with these thoughts, part of tearing down the stronghold, a huge part of it, is I have to stop identifying with it. I've got to separate it from myself. And I've got to burn it, I've got to stone it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that is not me. You know, when I have those thoughts, when those things start coming up, no, 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 I don't care how long I used to think that way. I don't care. I don't care if I thought that way my whole life. That's not me. The Word of God says who I am. And I've got to stone it, and I've got to burn it. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what's going on. That's not me. But what, who I am is I am a child of the living God. I am the one who is made in the likeness of the image of God. I, I, quote, you know, I, I go through the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. I go through you know, Second Corinthians, I mean, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1. I start talking about the love of God on the inside of me. This is who I am. And you've got to start dealing with things, but you have to separate yourself from that, from that thought and say, no, no, I am not part of that. This is who I am. Amen. But you see, I'm saying as you do these things, it, it gets easier and easier as you do it. And man, I tell you, I love to tear down strongholds. I love to take captivity of thoughts. Because they will cry and they will whine. But man, I love it. Because I know it has to do with freedom. And right in the middle of me acting stupid, I can still deal with it. That's the best time to do it sometimes. Amen? Don't allow your pride to hold on to things and, and, and value things that are actually causing you to be in weakness. So, anyway, praise God. We need to wrap it up right there. Do we get something tonight? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Glory to God. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. Mm. Now, Father God, our weaponry is not carnal, but it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is easy, Lord God. The yoke is easy, the burden is light, Father God. We are, Father God, made in your likeness and your image. That's who we are. Everything else is a lie. Lord God, every, Father God, every part of those strongholds in our minds, those are all a lie. Father God, those have nothing to do with us, Lord God. And so I just thank you. Teach us. Father God, how, Father God, to, to see it the right way, first of all, Lord God, how to see ourselves as the head and not the tail, Lord God. Number two, show us, Lord God, teach us how to, Father God, wait upon the Lord that we might renew our strength so that we might speak from a place of rest, from strength, from authority, and from faith, Lord God. Show us how to do that, Lord God. And I just thank you as we do, Lord God. Show us how to separate ourselves, Father God, from, the, from identifying with those strongholds, of identifying, Father God, with those counterfeits, Lord God, that we might, Father God, just walk in the truth of who we really are. And the truth makes us free. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.